Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And to have the opportunity to be able to tell a story where there actually was a white guy who got it right in terms of honoring and respecting and and crediting an enslaved person, something that absolutely was not only not required, but it was not expected and you would have been shunned for it. So you have that on one side. And for those who do not know, Nearest Green was not only the first known African-American master distiller, but he was also the teacher of a young uh, white kid named Jack Daniel. 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 Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back. It is so good to be here today. I'm excited. So it is not, not as excited often. as I am. That's true. <laughs> this, this is your lane. This is your lane. It is not often we get a chance to talk with someone of this stature who has done this much. And we talk to some like amazing people. But it's the folks who build business, right? Who create <laughs> a product, a demand who transcend an industry, who redirect things, who rewrite the narrative. Those are the people that I get the most excited about. And again, we have talked to some amazing people. But today, I'm not even going to tell you who we're talking to yet. Let me, let me just hit you with this, <laughs> with this bio, right? There are some Caesar guests, alert. right? There's some guests that you introduce and you can't help but think to yourself, man, I have got to work harder. I have got to do more because I pale in comparison to what this person has been able to do. And today's guest fits squarely into that category. Today, we're joined by Fawn Weaver. Fawn is an investor, historian, a serial entrepreneur, and the CEO of the most award-winning whiskey brand across this country in both 2019 and 2020. That's Uncle Nearest, for those who didn't know that already. But in case you thought that was all she did, please allow me to redirect you. She's also a TED speaker, a New York Times bestseller, and the founder and CEO of Grant Sydney, the private investment company that owns in full the Uncle Nearest brand. And so Fawn, with that introduction, officially welcome to Wild Black. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you here. Listen, I know I, I said a bunch, but I also know you've done a ton. And before we jump into this, is there anything else you want to share with our audience about who you are and what you have done? No, I think we we jump right in. But I, I will say that I think all of us have that person who we look at 
And whenever we think we deserve a break or we deserve a little bit more than you have that person you, you turn to. And for me, I, I observe the Sabbath every week uh, and I observe it on Sunday. And so that's my one day off. But anytime I feel like I deserve a second day off, I throw on Beyonce's homecoming. Because nobody worked that hard. And I'm reminded right. immediately, get yourself in check because that that's working hard. What you are doing right now, I mean, come on, it's booze. So it's a it's I think we all have that really good reminder. Hey, look, booze plays an important role. <laughs> it does Especially indeed. Especially right now. It does, right. it does. Well, look, the way we do things is um we start every episode with what we call wild black shit. And, you know, Art, I'm doing your job. Go, brother, do your thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're so excited. That's, that's good. I am excited, man. I really am. So, Fawn, we do a section called wild black shit. And it's basically three questions. Two questions we get you warmed up with. All right. And then the third question is our signature question that we ask every single guest. All right. So you ready to go? Let's let's go. Now I'm really bummed I'm not in the studio with y'all. This damn pandemic, but yeah. Right, <laughs> right. But look, I already know this this episode is gonna be so amazing that you should absolutely visit when you can when we get out of this whole crazy. Yes, yes, with indeed. I look pandemic. forward to it. So we're gonna play a play a little game with the first one. Finish the lyric. So this is music. The first option. Say it loud. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Okay. Mm, there we go. The Ding. redirect. Right, right. See, she re reversed that one. I like it. I believe the children are the... Future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Okay. Ooh, she came through. Show out. Okay. We fall down. But we get up. Look we at y'all. But we get up. Yep. All right, mm -hmm. fine. We're going we gonna to have to drop an album soon. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the truth about Ronnie. Roni, man. The truth about Roni is, the, let me see. The truth about Roni is the sweetest girl. She is the sweetest oh, little girl yes. in the whole wide world. She makes you something, something, something fall deep in love. Yeah. Once you, yeah, once you had a Roni, you'll never give it up. She's the second guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Look, so Vince, you do the, the last one. The, oh. We're going to see if she can get this one. <laughs> Hello? May I speak to Barbara? Oh, no. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not doing that. Back in the day, sexy talking nonsense from those albums. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Hey, anyone okay. who don't know, that's woman to woman. Yes. <laughs> Woman to woman. You, you went to the vault to pull mm -hmm. that one out. I mean, big time. <laughs> okay. That reaction, you know where that was coming from. Uh, <laughs> first question secured. <laughs> right. She nice had the job. One. Thank you. I always, those, those, whenever I'm listening to those albums, when you, when you go back a little ways, and the Isley Brothers were the worst with this, but uh, all that talking, I'm like, just sing. <laughs> Too much talking. That lead in. Yes, that lead in will go five minutes. <laughs> all right, second question. Multiple choice. There are no wrong answers, but there really are no right answers. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, this Sounds is Sounds like life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a mid-90s Friday night, and you and your girls are ready to kick it. What is... I was drinking Are you choice. doing escape? Are you giving me lyrics again? <laughs> no, no, Did we just no, go to just no, kicking it? No? This, okay. No, no, <laughs> but you know what? That, that sound good, though. <laughs> just kicking Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, so drink a choice. Yeah, what, what would it be? Five and options. You, it's it's your choice, so you get to pick what you all would be drinking on. In the nineties. In the nineties. Okay, so so are you giving me options, or I'm, am I choosing something? You get to choose. You know what's really sad? In the nineties, I was drinking. Do not, do not, do not judge. I was drinking coolers. I really liked all the coolers that were out. And so I was drinking all the, you know, all the fruity stuff. So 
the wine coolers? Yeah. Man, that stuff used to hurt my stomach. <laughs> that was it. Well, you know what, though? With the list that we got, it ain't that. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what's on your list, and I'll, I'll try to, I'll tell you if I, I would have been on one of any of those. Okay. Mad Dog 2020. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about ripping up the stomach. Good right. Lord. All right. Wild Irish Rose. No. <laughs> Cisco. No. What? Who came up with these options? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you and give me Alizé, that's a no as well. What else is on this list? St. Eyes. Um, no, but I mean, I, I that one I did taste. That would feel like a little bit of a yes. <laughs> <laughs> that one I did. That one I did taste and determine it wasn't for me. The rest of them I just passed on in general, just on GP. I got you. Listen, the, these came directly out of Southern University, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mid nineties. Wow, my college career. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. Well, I, I, we, we drank, we drank a little different on on the West Coast. <laughs> we, we were, we were drinking a little different. Hey, we were drinking with a purpose. And yeah. the purpose was, was a to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's the the purpose was to get drunk, and yes. those were the choices. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, "This is ludicrous." But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. And those (laughs) options accomplish that goal. (laughs) And for, wow. for pennies on the dollar at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's an important part of college life. <laughs> now, it ain't no telling what the, the adverse effects of your, you know, Ooh. stomach line in it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. The third question, and this is our signature question. What do you love most about life while black? At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What do I love most about Life While Black? You know, I walk into a room and most of the time when I walk into a room, it is a room full of incredibly wealthy, powerful white men. Right. I love walking into that room because guess who they are going to remember? Every single person in every corner of that room. And I will, I will come across groups and years later, and I mean 10 years later, they will immediately know who I am because they're like, who was this black woman who walked in here like she belonged here? And it's, so that's what I, well, that's what I love. I also love showing up at the dry cleaners and I don't have to give them my telephone number because I'm the only black person. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain advantages to <laughs> membership has its privilege. Yes, it does. You go to the, the the country club, you go out onto the golf course, and you you know you're a black woman. There isn't a whole lot there, so yeah, that's that is that's what I absolutely love. Specifically, being a black woman, and I absolutely love that. Bon, are you a golfer? I, you know what's so funny? I have the coolest uh, clubs and shoes and a uh, <laughs> and gloves and a house that sits on the lake that sits on a uh, a hole or sits between two holes and then you tee off in front. And, and so it's really pitiful. I do. I haven't been out on the greens in man probably ten plus years. But I literally just oh my had. God. Oh really? I know. I know. But I just literally had my assistant. This morning, book me to for major refreshers on on this for a couple of reasons. Number one, so many of of my investors are have come to 
my company because to invest in my company because they were on the greens with someone who this is their most exciting investment in their portfolio. And so, so many people, that is how they came to know of our brand, at least on the investor side. And then also for, for me, I just like to do shit that black women usually aren't doing. That's That's just the norm for me. I love that. And so I realized I've had these clubs sitting in my garage. And then we literally bought a house that sits between two holes. I have no excuse. And so so I expect to to start hitting the greens uh, at least every week. That is what I'm talking about. We're golfers. We need to extend the invitation. Oh, and you guys are in a... So our place is on Lake Oconee. So you can just come down because we've got the six Reynolds golf courses there. Listen, I love that the rents out there. Yeah. Oh, yes, indeed. You're yeah. talking to me. Yeah, we, we love it. And those golf courses. So the course that our house sits on is a Jack Nicklaus course that they just mm-hmm. remodeled. And they had the LPGA there, I think, about a year ago. So we're looking forward when they get the PGA there. But they've done a great job on it. And because it sits, the, literally the holes sit on the lake, then that's one of the reasons I'm going back and getting a pro teacher because otherwise all my balls going to go in the water. <laughs> and I'm just, and so I'm not going to embarrass myself in front of my own house. That's, that's really what it's about. <laughs> Look, the, the, the tip here, pro tip, get those refurbished balls. Oh, okay. Thank you. Those are the ones I, only ones I play with. Really? Tell me why. Because I lose too many. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And they're cheaper. Got it. I love it. I love it. All right. So as much fun as we're having, and as much as we play around, this podcast actually does a lot of teaching, creates a lot of awareness, and drives a lot of inspiration. And when I think about stories that need to be told from our perspective that highlight the Black world, I can't think of many more impressive or more pertinent than this one. Thank you. So I want to jump in with this, right? It's the story for me. Yes. When, when I was first associated with this brand story, who Nearest Green was, and then I looked at the success that you all have seen since launching, including the awards and becoming the fastest growing independent whiskey brand in the country, I knew I had to tell this story. So if you won't mind, Talk to our listeners and explain to them who Nearest Green was and what is the backstory to this company? Yeah, so Nearest Green was the first known African-American master distiller. And the reason why I say known is I still believe there were some that came before him. The challenge is that he was an enslaved man and enslaved men, every other distillery that I am aware of, they simply did not. Uh, they didn't take the time, nor did they care to actually assign names to the people, meaning to actually write down a name versus saying, you know, slave one, slave two type of thing. And what's so extraordinary about this story and why I love this story is it breaks every, like everything you think you know about blacks and whites in the 19th century and why our stories go lost. It, it, really flips all that on its head. We like to live in a world that is black and white. And the reality is, is that life is nuanced. Our history as a people and our history as a a country is incredibly nuanced. Every white person in the 19th century was not a devilish ass. And every black person in the 19th century, 20th century today is not an angel. And so we live somewhere in between that. And to have the opportunity to be able to tell a story where there actually was a white guy who got it right in terms of honoring and respecting and and crediting an enslaved person, something that absolutely was not only not required, but it was not expected and you would have been shunned for it. So you have that on one side. And for those who do not know, Nearest Green was not only the first known African-American master distiller, but he was also the teacher of a young uh, white kid named Jack Daniel. And Mm -hmm. he was a mentor of Jack. And when Jack's mother 
passed away when he was four months old. And so he's the 10th child. He's being now raised by a father. And back in that those days, you know, God bless our men today where the good ones go 50-50 in on the right. parenting situation. But back then, the fathers had no idea what to do with kids. And so you have this woman who is perfectly healthy, has 10 children, then she catches typhus fever and seven days later, she's dead. So his father did what all of the men in that day did when you have a bunch of kids. He went and married another woman (laughs) to take care of the kids. And, you know, Jack is this little runt. He never grew to be more than five foot two, which is crazy. And so you have this young boy who you want working your, your, uh, your fields and all the rest of that stuff. So anyhow, long story short, you see this young kid as early as seven years old on the farm of this white preacher and distiller named Dan Call. He showed up as a chore boy. That means going to milk the cows, getting water for the family from the wells, feeding slop to the pigs, sleeping in the hay barn. Like this was not at all a privileged life, but it allowed him to get out of a house that had nine other kids and a stepmother who didn't like him. And he comes to this property in which it's, uh, we own the property. At that time, it was 338 acres. It's now 313. But you had a uh, this man, Dan Call, who was a preacher when the temperance movement was running through, and he married a teetotaler. So in 1856, as a young man, he marries this woman who is completely opposed to alcohol, but he has a distillery on his property. (laughs) Uh, The good news is, is that the distillery is about a 25-minute walk from the house on the same property one way, and his church was also on the property about 25 minutes walk going the other way. And so what he was able to do is basically keep his three worlds separate. He had the church on one side of the property and the distillery on the other side of the property. Well, the reason why he was able to just kind of continue to be a preacher, to focus on his family and not have any issues there, is there was an African-American man, uh, an enslaved man at that time, who was running the steel by the name of Nears Green. And his whiskey was known to be the best in the area. And that statement wouldn't mean anything now where we are in in Tennessee and you know, it's 30 minutes to the nearest distillery. But at that time, there were 16 other distilleries in a four-mile radius. And his whiskey was known for being the best. It was the whiskey coming out of distillery number seven. And that distillery sat on the property that we now own. And that is the story of how this young white boy who then became an orphan when his father passed away when he was young. And he is introduced to this elder African-American man who sets out to teach him what he knows. And what he taught him was unique to to African-Americans. What he taught him was what we now know as the Lincoln County process. It's the only thing that distinguishes Kentucky bourbon from Tennessee whiskey other than geography, is we take what would be a traditional Mm. bourbon distillate and we run it through 12, anywhere between, depending on what distillery you're at, anywhere between 10 and 13 feet of sugar maple charcoal. Now, it doesn't add anything, which is why Tennessee whiskey is still considered a straight bourbon whiskey. It adds nothing, but it does remove. Congeners, fusel oils, those things that give you headaches when you drink too much of it, like that garbage you were talking about. (laughs) We're filtering some of that nonsense out. And it goes into the barrel and 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 it sits the same amount of time. But what's so special about premium Tennessee whiskey is number one, it costs a hell of a lot more to make than bourbon, including what they're making up in Kentucky. And a lot of people don't know that. Premium Tennessee whiskey costs more and it takes longer. And a part of that is is because of this process, this Lincoln County process that was named after the county where Nearest Green lived and where he made his whiskey. And the reason why we know uh, how that process came to be in Lincoln County And the fact that it came in with the enslaved people is because Jack Daniel and his descendants made sure to put that in the records, that that is the origin of the Lincoln County process. And so I I do give a great deal of credit because you had these pretty powerful white men 
who did not have to, one, write down Nearest's name, did not have mm-hmm. to give him credit. But not only do they write down his name, give him credit in the press, by the way, uh, but they also did the same with his children and his grandchildren who continued on in the business of making whiskey. So the reason why we know who Nearest Green is, and we do not know who all of the other Black master distillers were, and again, I do believe there were more, uh, some that potentially preceded Nearest, is because you have this town here, Lynchburg, of all of all names, good Lord. Right. You've got this town of Lynchburg in which the big man in town is this little five foot two guy named Jack Daniel. And he made sure everybody knew who his teacher was, who his mentor was, and who his first master distiller was. Wow. Hell of a story, isn't it? It is. And now is that eighteen fifty six? The eight, reason that you named it Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons. But 1856, the, the reason, you know, the short version, <laughs> because as time goes on, but the, the real, the real, the longer version. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Is in my research, I brought together 20 different historians, archivists, archaeologists, genealogists. We tore that property apart. We tore every record apart in order to really be able to pull out the, the data we were going to need to be able to properly rewrite the history of, of American whiskey and specifically Tennessee whiskey. And two of those uh, genealogists and historians still work for us now that they're constantly pulling in new information. We're, we are not done. I don't know that we'll ever be done because there's so much to be pieced together. But you, I brought all of these people together and then I began advertising every Friday in the local newspaper, the Moore County newspaper, saying, these are the four names that are integral to this story. If you have anything in your basement, in your attic, that's the beauty about the South. People buy houses with, I mean, the house I'm in, I bought, and there was a crap load of stuff uh, from the early days of this home in this property in the attic. And so I knew there would be people who had documents that they didn't even realize the significance of it. And every Friday, I would literally put these four into the newspaper and every Friday, my phone would start ringing with locals from Lynchburg saying, hey, I have this document that was from the courthouse. It's Minnie Green. Is she connected to your story at all? Yes, that's Nearest's daughter. I'll be right over. What's your address? That's literally wow. how this story was put together. Damn. Wow. So here, here's what I really want to know, right? As awesome as that story is. And first off, I, I do want to say, I love the fact that you said enslaved person and not slave. Mm-hmm. because we are not the act that was done to us. Yep. Where and how did the idea to turn this into a modern brand come from? Well, here's the crazy part is when I began, and I think you mentioned this in your intro, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I'm a USA Today bestselling author. But in spite of being an entrepreneur, I guess now 26 years, I've I've always been in business, but I've always loved to write. It's 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 right. it's what I do. It's funny every time Inc. Magazine reaches into me and says, "Hey, do you want to write a column?" I'm like, "Yeah. What's the prompt? Give me an hour." Like I I am a writer, <laughs> and I and I I love writing. And so for me, when I did my first two books, both were on love. People would ask me, "When is your third one coming out?" When you have two successful books, there's always the next one. And I would tell people, the next time I find a story of love, I want to write about. And it wasn't until I came across this story that it felt real to me. And I could really connect 
with the fact that you had these two people in, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's still mind boggling. How, how big do your balls have to be to walk in the middle of a town called Lynchburg with mm-hmm. black people all around you and tell other people right. you will respect them? Like how big, it, it just, <laughs> there's something about that to me that is just amazing. Um, and so when I began working on this story, the first thing I did was research. And I was in the library very first day in Lynchburg, and I wasn't in there but for a couple of hours before the eldest descendant of Jack Daniels walks through the door. And remember, this whole town is basically somehow related to Jack, whether it's by marriage or, you know, he didn't have any children, so all the descendants are through his nieces and nephews. But whether it's that or it's, you know, related to a green, that that's basically your town <laughs> in wow. a way. And... So it, it became news very quickly that we were there because the VRBO that I rented, they had our information. That's a part of the requirement with VRBO. And so the owner or the person who was renting it had already told the town that there was a black woman from LA who's a New York Times bestselling author and, and her husband, who's an executive <laughs> vice president at Sony Pictures. So we people were already expecting us and excited that we were coming to town because, you know, Lynchburg is really tiny. <laughs> There's right. not a whole lot going on there. And so people get excited when other people are, are coming to town. And so people knew who we were, but they didn't know why we were there. And when we went into the library and began doing the research, then the eldest descendant of Jack Daniel was called. And I understood it immediately when she walked through the door. Because if you think about it, if you go back to 2016, when this story was first written, and it was in the New York Times, the headline was, Jack Daniel embraces a secret ingredient help from a slave. No one actually read the article once it hit social media. So that title became clickbait. And very quickly, it was Nearest Green was uh, enslaved by Jack Daniel, that he stole mm. the recipe and he hid mm. nearest. And I had done enough research to know that was absolutely not true. So when she walked through the door, I could see the concern on her face and I understood it completely. I would have had the same exact concern. Why would I think anybody was going to give my family a fair shot when we were right. being drugged through the mud and all over social media? And so I said to her, listen, I am not here to harm your family's legacy. I believe that social media has this wrong. I believe that the press has this story wrong. I think this story is a story of love, honor, and respect. And I told her why. And I pointed to certain things in Jack's biography and the fact that it was written in 1967, height of the civil rights era, white reporter from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, comes to write the definitive biography of the most famous American whiskey maker of all time. And Nearest and his boys are mentioned from the very beginning all the way through. And they are mentioned more times than Jack's own parents. You didn't have to do that in the 19th century. You sure as hell didn't have to do it in 1967 when we had the Detroit riots up the way. You had the KKK founded right here in Pulaski, Tennessee, down the road. You had this as the region that Nathan Bedford Forrest, who that he traded over a thousand enslaved people a year per his taxes. Who knows how many he really did. And he was the grand wizard of the KKK, the very first Grand Wizard. And he would come through this community recruiting people for his Bedford Forest during the Civil War. So you have all that going on in this area. There was absolutely positively no reason that a black man needed to be named in this book that was not about them, that was about this whiskey maker, unless the people who were being interviewed, which were all the people around uh, Jack and his family, that's who was being interviewed. They would have had to have named Nearest and his boys so many times that this reporter did not have a choice but to include him and make his story a part of the story. And so knowing that and sharing that with her, she said, well, then I want to help you. And she pulls out her cell phone and she gives me the name and number of Nearest Green's descendants. That's how this began. And right before she's leaving out of the library, she said, you know that, that, uh, that property, that farm, where everything happened that you read in that book that brought you here? I said, yep. And she said, you realize it's for sale, right? You should buy it. Mm. Mm. Right. 
<laughs> so we're in town for two hours doing research in the library. The eldest of Jack's descendant comes in, is the connector to connecting me with, I've now interviewed over, it's interviewed and spent time with over a hundred of Nears Green's descendants, one of which was his granddaughter who was still alive in 106 when I interviewed her. Wow. There is absolutely no way that I would have been able to do that if it wasn't for this person opening up her phone and saying, look, we all grew up together. Here's the numbers. And so that's where this began. But then about an hour later, I get a call on my cell phone and it is a woman with seriously the deepest Southern accent I've ever heard up until that point. (laughs) Now I've lived here for the last four years. So I've heard a few more, (laughs) but at that time I had never heard a Southern accent that deep. And she introduced herself and she said, this is, this is Sherry Moore. You met my cousin at the library. Uh, she said, you want to go see the Dan Call Farm? I'm a realtor. I can take you. She took me the oh. next day, my husband and I. This we, was ordained. We, it, hello. Yeah. We looked at each other. Remind me to tell you something that Chris Bridges said to me. I, I, well, everybody calls him Luda, ludicrous. Remind me when he was there. Remind me, <laughs> remind me to circle back and tell you what he said uh, okay. at that property. But- we go, my husband and I look at each other and we don't even have to say a word. We just gave each other the eye. We'll take it. <laughs> it was, wow. That property had been on the market for 15 months. Can you imagine? Wow. Can you imagine the property where the water, all of the, any water that is in any bottle of Jack Daniels before 1884, that water is still running through that property. The water that nearest that and long. his boys. no. The, 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 the water that Nearest and his boys uh, used to not only make the whiskey, but to proof the whiskey down, it still runs. And I mean, it runs in that property and you can still drink it fresh from the spring. It is the best water you'll ever have. And whenever we bring people to the property, that's one of the first things we do is take them to the spring and let them taste the water coming off those limestone rocks. But we go to the property, we make the offer. And very quickly, now all of a sudden, we own a 313-acre uh, property that is American history. I mean, come on, distillery number seven, get out of here. Like, we, we <laughs> own the house where Jack grew up. And so then it, it, there was no way we, I was going to be able to go back to L.A. Someone had to restore that property. Someone had to be there. But also because everyone knew that's where Jack Daniels started, then you have a lot of fans that come from around the, the world that would try to get access to the property to like saunter off some of the pipes and to right. get some of the oh. original millstones. So we had to then secure the property 24 hours a day immediately. Wow. And so we did that after, after buying it. And so since we were already doing that and I was going to need to be here to restore the property, my husband had to go back and forth to the studio every week. And so I literally just packed up my office and I can do what, I'm an investor. I can do what I do from anywhere in the world. And so I packed up everything. I brought it here and I turned that house into my research room. Every document, original artifact from six different states, every elder of the nearest Green family, we all brought all of that stuff into that property. So this story could be told. And Sherry Moore, every... Uh, every now and again, she would pop in as that's what you do in Lynchburg. You just you just pop in like you don't call ahead. You just pop I'm in. from Vicksburg, Mississippi. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Sherry would just pop in. And one day she says to me, she said, you know, you know, I know you're working on a book. I know you're working on on a movie. But should you ever decide to honor nearest with a bottle? I will come out of retirement to get to make sure you get it right. Mm, damn. Now, this is the realtor who I knew to be the cousin of the eldest living descendant of Jack Daniel, right? Right. And uh, I mean, for me, that did not register until she said it uh, a few more times on different occasions. And finally, the last time when it finally, I understood what she was saying. And she said, I don't think you understand that whiskey is in my blood. The family business is all I have ever known. And when I retired from the family business, Jack Daniel Distillery, after 31 years, I was the head of whiskey operations. I'm telling you, I will come out of retirement to make sure Nearest is honored. Right. Love them. So the first person on board in our company, not as an owner, but as a, as a, as a consultant and then, then hired full time, was 
uh, and is a that person is Sherry Moore. And Sherry has more experience than any other person in Tennessee whiskey, period. Like this is not even a debatable statistic. The last master distiller for Jack Daniels that just left recently, Jeff Arnett, she hired and trained him. His predecessor, Jimmy Bedford, she trained him. And before he went to do press, she would literally write out post-it notes of the stuff he needs to say. Their current vice president, AGM, uh, Melvin Keebler, the highest ranking black person, I think, in their company, she hired him and she trained him. And uh, and Nearest's descendants, she hired and trained them. Hey, hey, it's Brooke England here from Deposits. And if you're a fan of culture and business, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Deposits, where I interview dope individuals and celebrities of the culture. And we get into contracts, entertainment, and my favorite part, payouts. It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. So the ones that are still there, uh, that have been there actually quite some time. So you have that pedigree coming into this business that wasn't planned. And then on the other side, I always knew I wanted to make sure that this legacy didn't flow through me, that this legacy flowed through the current generation of green descendants. So our master blender, Victoria Edie Butler, fifth generation descendant of Nearest Green, and she and Sherry were close friends growing up. And now they're mm. working side by side. And that's why Uncle Nearest Premium Whiskey is the most award-winning whiskey of 2019, 2020, the most award-winning new American brand ever. And I think you mentioned it earlier, it's the fastest growing independent American spirit mm -hmm. brand in U.S. history. When I get off with you, I've got CNBC with Shep Shepard because he's breaking the news that we are the uh, best-selling African-American founded spirit brand ever. And I love that. I fucking love that. <laughs> but look, there's, there's, I know we're short on time. And there's wow. one more thing that I want to talk about. That's not the only amazing story associated with this brand. You also did all that with an all-woman executive leadership team, correct? Yeah. yeah. How intentional was that? It wasn't. Here's the crazy part. I didn't realize until someone from the press about a year and a half ago, I was sharing all the different people on our leadership team. And I was kind of giving them all the different attributes of each one. And the person in the press said, wait a minute, are those all women? Like, are all those names women? And I literally paused and I said, I, I guess so. Yeah. I, it was not, <laughs> it wasn't intentional. And you know, what's funny is, is I was really working my hardest and trying my hardest to get a, a, a green male descendant. I mean, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not chauvinistic, so I don't even want to hear that. Um, but I, I, I wanted this to run through a male green descendant. That was, that was my goal. That was my dream. I didn't even think to ask the greens that were women. <laughs> Again, wow. no, you know, nobody throw any hate balls my way. That is just what I... I knew that it was nearest. It passed down to his son, George. It passed down to George's sons, yeah, Eli. Right. Well, it was nearest his sons, Eli, George, and Lewis, who continued on with the whiskey. And then George is the only of those three to have children. And so then it passed on to Charlie and Ott. They continued it on. And so in my mind, and that was before Prohibition, and once it came back from Prohibition, they didn't have any green family members still on the distilling side because Tennessee was in prohibition longer than anyone else in, in this country by 10 years. Most people don't know that. This temperance movement was a little nuts over here. And so you have this an entire generation and a half that passes before this distillery reopens. And so none of the, the green family members chose to go back in on the distilling side. There's three there, but they're on the bottling side. So totally different. Right. And so in my mind... I wanted to keep passing that down the way it had been passed down. And I am so happy I did not get what I wanted because the person who was meant to uh, carry this legacy forward was a woman. And, and the, the crazy part as I, as I say that and I think about that is her side of the family, Victoria's side of the family, did not grow up with money. She is a descendant of Nearest's uh, son, Jesse. And I did not understand as I was diving into this story and learned that Nearest was the wealthiest African-American in this area immediately after the Civil War, 
wealthier than many, many, many of his white neighbors in the Lynchburg area. That if you look at a, a photo, which when you come to nearest Green Distillery, you're going to see them everywhere, these paintings of this family that looks like royalty. You would have no idea that they were the children and grandchildren of a formerly enslaved man. If you were to look at them, you would see the elite status that they that they were. I, I mean, his, his sons and grandsons were Shriners and Mason. Anybody who's a Mason or knows a Mason knows Shriners at the top, not just the Black Masons, of both. Right. And so knowing that about his descendants and knowing that they had passed money down and had millionaires on that side, Victoria's side of the family, they kept asking, well, we don't understand. Where did the money go? Where did the money go? And I could not answer that for that side of the family. And it was someone from George Green's side that uh, she, she says to me, one of the elders, she said, oh, I can tell you why they didn't have money. I was like, well, thank you, please, because I don't understand. <laughs> and she said they didn't have money because Jesse had three girls. Money never passed to the oh. women. So it wasn't, even though we focus on race, what actually was the disparity at that time following slavery was, was gender. And so you had a, a one side of the family whose descendants were of George Green, who had money and millionaires in that lineage, even to this day. One is, is still in Lynchburg, hasn't left. And then you had the, the family of Jesse Green, another son of Nearest, and they did not have any money because the expectation was the women would marry a man and the man would take care of them. Mm. And so that this gets to pass through a woman that is a green, it's the way it was meant to be, but it was not what I planned. Wow. On, on International Women's Day. Yes. Right, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Amen to that. Well, listen, Fawn, we want to be extremely sensitive to your schedule. Thank you. Completely understand. We thank you for the time today. I thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. In closing, is there anything else that you want to tell the audience? Yeah, I would. One of the things, especially because of, of who your audience is, I, I find myself even now after telling this story for almost four years that I'm still battling people who believe the original clickbait titles that were on social media. And I, I think that we have to be really good about giving credit to those who stuck their necks out for us because there wasn't a lot of them. And when I go online, people will see me, I mean, anyone who's seen me online and sees me when someone posts something negative about Jack and I respond really, really quickly to correct that. And the reason I do that is because if I were living at that time, I could have only hoped and prayed that I had an ally like him. So for mm -hmm. any person who has seen the original story, do yourself a favor and go to nearestgreen.com, N-E-A-R-E-S-T-G-R-E-E-N.com. Jeffrey Wright does a brilliant job of sharing the story of Nearest mm -hmm. Green, the true story, not the clickbait story. And that actually reminded me, and then we can close it with this, was what Chris what happened when Chris came out. So Chris and uh, Will Packer and Mo from Icebox Jewelry and Kenny Burns and their wives all came out. They've got right. this really cool uh, thing, supper club thing that they, that they do. And we hosted it. So Luda comes up on his plane. He brings everybody with him. And one of the very first stops that we made was at the cemetery where uh, Nearest's family is in one cemetery. They were the colored cemetery. And then across the street, you had the white cemetery. And when we were at the cemetery, Chris literally could not, uh, his emotions rose up so high. And I knew what he was feeling because I feel the same way when I walk the grounds of a plantation. I can't do it. Yeah. I can feel the pain. I can feel the hurt. I can feel the betrayal. I can feel the abandonment. I can feel all of that under my feet. And it weighs very heavy on me. And one of the things that uh, made me feel so at peace in telling this story 
is when I walked the grounds of the Dan Call Farm where Jack was the orphan and nearest was the distiller and nearest's family lived. When I walked those grounds, I did not feel that. And it, it just, it's hard to understand that because our history is so nuanced, but I, I simply didn't feel it, which would explain why nearest had as much money as he did and his family had as much property as they did right after the Civil War. Because I think we don't really know what truly was going on on that property. But after we went from the cemetery and, and we went to the farm and we walked up to where the original distillery was, where Nearest's family lived, where the spring water was, and I said, Chris, what do you feel here? And he said, I feel peace. I feel mm. like our ancestors are proud of us. I feel like nearest is proud of us. And so I, I, I would just say for all of us, our black history is so rich and in the middle of so much pain, there are some gems. And I believe it's healing if we can look for them and if we can find them. Because the last thing that we need to be out here is angry. We need to be productive we need to be successful. It is at a place in our lifetime, I believe, that it is not a black and white issue. It's a green issue when we don't have enough money. And so we have to set ourselves up to succeed and, and to level the playing field through success and through wealth. And we don't do that by holding on to the past. So for me, I am always looking for those gems, those stories that encourage me that, yes, this, we, we, we went through a shitty history, but there were some good people in that. And if we can just keep latching on to that and build upon that, then I think that the future for uh, Black Americans is incredibly bright. Amen. There's nothing Absolutely. else to say after that. Vaughn, you don't know how much we appreciate you being here. You don't know how much I appreciate the story. I just appreciate what you're doing. I look forward to seeing more. If I ever do decide to drink again, it's the first place I'm going, but my wife is holding us down. I love it. I love it. I love it. And don't worry when you come to the distillery. We got a, We got a, something special for all those who don't drink. So we are doing something at Near Screen Distillery when we reopen in June. We're doing, and we and we reopen on Saturday, June 19th. There is that is not uh, by accident. But when we reopen, mm. we love made it. sure that. Every single member of the family, whether it's a kid or a grandmother, whether they drink or they do not drink, there are aspects of history in that property that is specific to every single gender, every single race, every single piece of, of uh, American history is, is, is represented there. So you can, you can roll through with the temperance people. <laughs> we are definitely coming. You do not have to worry about that. Yep. And I'm drinking. Hey. <laughs> All right. I love well, it. Fawn, thank you. I know you've got another interview you got to run to. Thank we appreciate you. you. I appreciate Wild you. Wildlife family. I hope you paid attention. It's a dope story. Go check out the brand if you're not familiar with them. You got to support this kind of stuff. Thank you. All right. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. All Black, we out. Peace. We out. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.